0: Welcome back to Hire Everyone.
1: The podcast where we help you reach higher in your career and learn with and from experts in marketing, recruitment, entrepreneurship, and many more about what it takes to become a leader in your dream industry.
0: But first, hit that funky beat, Tom (laughs) Zanzang.
1: desirable,
0: all the rage, makes my mouth water, must have it, and I must have it too.
1: Oh my god, it's limited edition.
0: Oh my god, I can't breathe.
1: Designing products and marketing them to the right audience at the right time at the right place is a tale as old as time.
0: But what does it actually take to work in the corporate creative team?
1: And what does it take to get into one?
0: To answer these questions and more, we're most excited to have Matt Gunnigo, Associate Creative Director at Lego. Oh my
1: god, Legos.
0: As I was saying, Associate Creative Director at the Lego Group with us today.
1: To share his career journey.
0: His many wisdoms.
1: And how to build your career like you'd build the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom with Lego bricks. Tom. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at GoHirePodcast, leave us a comment and let us know what you think about this whole hire business. Let's go get it.
0: We've got Matt in the virtual studio, yes. Thanks Matt for
1: joining us. So hello to you too. Um, Listen, before we hop into the actual episode, tell us a little bit more about yourself. You know, The audience um, has heard a little bit in our intro um, about who you are, but in your own words, who's Matt? was a very good question uh so
2: <laughs> i am uh, an associate creative director for digital at the lego group um i think on one of my social channels i describe myself as a fan of colors creativity and custard creams so uh <laughs> i think i think i'm gonna go with that i'm still favoring the custard cream at the moment <laughs> likewise um, but yeah that is that is me in a couple of sentences and my surname is guinea Gault. It's a very weird one to kind of know how to pronounce it, but it's, it's Guinea Where's it from? Uh, it's French. I believe a French person would pronounce it like Guinea Gault, but I'm from Essex. So uh, <laughs> it's pronounced Guinea Gault. So you don't even get the T on the end of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. That's I really funny. <laughs> I mean,
1: we're sitting in the uh, French speaking part of Switzerland. So we're definitely going to go ask around, do a couple of uh, street tests.
0: Yeah. My pronunciation of French is not very good either. So we're, we're yeah. all in it together here. Um, <laughs> Matt, what's going to happen as well is you are going to keep a few of your top tips on what we're going to talk about until the end of the session. OK, so everybody mm-hmm. listening will listen all the way to the end and you'll give them the top tips of how to be in your career, I suppose is probably the best way to put it. Um, and we're just going to go straight into the next part. Um, you've stopped in many different stations on your way, on your career journey and finally at Lego. I say finally because it's kind of always been your dream, right?
2: Uh, Absolutely. I remember as a kid uh, saying to my parents, I definitely want to work for Lego when I get uh, when I get older. So uh, it was either that or being a teacher, a steam train driver or a cameraman.
0: (laughs) Wow, many different
2: things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you ended up in Lego. Awesome
1: fantastic matt but so let's take it from the very top you know because we always read and hear about these people with those amazing dream careers like the lego group i mean when nikki told me about you i literally fell off my chair hurt my back (laughs) hurt my back again last sunday but what nobody ever talks about is how they actually got there in the first place so um when we spoke to you earlier you said that you did a gap year then you did a second gap year after school and then you did something that had to do with horses I believe (laughs) before landing your first you know real gig so tell us about that uh
2: yeah so um when I was at school I had some really interesting careers advice which completely screwed over in my mind what I wanted to do uh so by the time I finished college I had no idea what I wanted to do really so I took a gap year that became yeah a second gap year um and then I thought, oh, i better get a job, really. <laughs> um, and my sister was working for the civil service and they were hiring for some admin officers. So I got a job working for the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and uh, one of my uh, one of my tasks was if you wanted to bring a horse or horse semen into the country, you would phone me and I would tell you what paperwork you needed to fill in and what <laughs> EU <laughs> legislation you had to follow. So uh, it was very glamorous.
0: Oh, but there was something else after that then. Chickens or something.
2: Oh, yeah. Then I got then I got upgraded to birds uh, (laughs) so I could do day old chicks. uh, And then I think when I was in that role was when bird flu really kicked off. Um, And so I got drafted into this kind of emergency team where basically every day the uh, we were having to like ban bird imports at certain ports. So I had to write all the notices to send to the ports to stop them allowing things in it was yeah. very exciting
1: it, it actually does sound very exciting it was um, cool it was cool it was cool it was cool you know <laughs> semen i mean yeah what, exactly what you, what
0: what's next after that so the juicy bit bbc was your first love well it wasn't your first love but you did kind of say when we spoke that you loved to work for the bbc at some stage and you ended up there right um what kind of jobs did you do there Um, And what else did you learn from that? And what did you bring from your first couple of jobs into the BBC?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, BBC was another one of those places that was just always really dear to me as a kid. I've got lots of fond memories of sitting around watching TV as a family. You know, it was always the BBC. Uh, I was a children's BBC kid of the 90s. Um, So it's just something that's always meant a lot to me. So um, it's just somewhere that I always kept an eye on in terms of whether there were jobs there um but yeah I ended up um when I'd kind of been working for the civil service for about two or three years I think um I was kind of looking to see if I could get a foot in the door at the BBC so I joined there um as a team assistant in the policy and strategy division Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was an okay fit because I'd just been working on DEFRA policy Um, But as I say, it was kind of a bit of a a foot in the door just to try and understand what it's like working for a place like that. Um, And, yeah, I ended up being there for uh, it was nine and a half years by the time I left. And I think I had something like six or seven different roles (laughs) while I was there. Um, But it was it was really great because I think um, it just gave me a lot of variety. But I think also just a chance to build up some awesome skills. So the skills that I brought in, I would say, from my time in the civil service is definitely things about um, kind of copywriting and how you communicate to others. Because I think um, one of the one of the core roles I had in the civil service was I had to basically translate EU legislation so that it could be understood by somebody with the reading level of an eight year old, <laughs> um, which if ever you look at EU legislation, it is not. I personally I don't find it very easy to follow at all and I I'm much more of a succinct person who would rather talk in plain English in short sentences um so it that was actually quite a good skill to bring over to the BBC because then because I was talking to different people at different levels or when I started kind of doing uh, social media jobs where I had to write for social um it was quite a good skill to bring over actually
1: that's fantastic. You know what I always find interesting about big organizations like this is what you've just described. You're not entirely sure where you want to flex your career, but your what skills suit you the best and where you you know come most alive as a person. So in a big organization like this with lots of lateral move options, big different departments that all do different things, this is a wonderful you know playground to practice. To practice if you have the chance to actually get in. So that's genius. Mm. But. It's funny sometimes because we're so hell bent on managing our careers, but at times the best jobs really come our way just because we show curiosity and a willingness to explore and how people also perceive us. And that's how you got into the digital space in the BBC as well, didn't you? Where people just thought, oh, he's young, he can probably do this Twitter thing.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's definitely I think what probably helped me is that I had no idea what I wanted to do in my career. So I didn't necessarily have like an end goal in mind, um, which I'm sure that works for some people. But for me, I am quite curious and I like to explore. Mm. So I kind of went in very open minded that it, it could go anywhere. And then, yeah, I think my um, my second job after being the team assistant was I was um, a project coordinator where we were moving um, people from one building to another uh, in the commercial arm of the BBC um and as part of that just kind of I think on my second or third day they were like oh you've got to build an intranet site for this (laughs) and I thought okay well I'll I'll give it a try give me a tool let's see what happens um and then I built it and it was pretty good I was pretty chuffed with it actually it looked pretty snazzy um (laughs) and then because I had that then they were like oh you know maybe you could help with this online press office and then Twitter became a thing they were like well he does digital stuff and he's young he must get it uh so I ended up just kind of falling into it basically but it just kind of yeah things just started to kind of gravitate towards me and then yeah it's been kind of like a a predominantly digital career ever since actually
0: and even if BBC wasn't your original dream like you did say you you knew about a lot from growing up but Lego was the actual dream right but what other skills did you pick up in the BBC that you took then to the next part of your career. Now, a bit of a warning. When you say copywriting, not everyone knows what that is. So what exactly is that and how can somebody do it and what skills do you need? So there's one of your one of your questions, but can you give us, yeah, the top three skills that you developed at the BBC?
1: And Tom batting in, if you do end up going for copywriting again, mm-hmm. what makes a good copywriter?
2: Oh, how interesting. I'm under pressure now. I should never say <laughs> copywriting, should I? <laughs> um yeah, I think Lego was something actually Lego was something that when I became a teenager and an adult, I'd completely forgotten about Lego because I, I forgot it was a place you could work. I know it sounds really silly, but I just always thought of the bricks and I never thought, oh, there must be people working there. So, um, yeah, when I started looking at jobs at Lego, I was just like, I can't believe it's taken me this long to do this. Um, but I would say kind of, oh, let's think about three top skills. I think. I think relationship building is definitely a skill that um, I pride myself on, but also it's just been so helpful throughout my career. Um, And I think it's just because, you know, I, I spend a lot of time kind of getting to know people. I've always hated the word networking. So I always assume it's those really awful drinks that you go to and you've got your name badge on and you're standing in the corner with a cheap glass of white wine thinking, oh, God, what am I doing here? And they that kind of fills me with dread. But actually, I really enjoy networking with colleagues and getting to know people. So when I was in corporate comms and we were the central comms team, there were all of these communications teams around us. And so I made the effort to get to know each and every one of them. And it just worked out really well because, you know, I was always the person who if somebody turned around and said, oh, who is it who deals with X? I would always know who it was. I had a good enough rapport with them that actually we would help each other out. It's not just a random person coming for help. Um, And yeah, I think it's just just always really helped me because then that's where other opportunities came up as well. Mm. Um, And so I think relationship building is definitely a core one that i brought with me
1: it seems to be such an obvious thing to do but when you when we, because you spoke about it as a skill as well so mm-hmm. this is something that you can curate and learn so i wonder do you have any you know any tips about how to actually go about this within the workplace so when i was in my last corporate position i often i worked from my telephone in the coffee corner so i was mr coffee corner person where people would suddenly associate with me with the coffee court and we'd start a casual chat, i get to know about uh, their department, their function, their role, and maybe how I could be of value in the long term. So how do you go about that? Do you just drop somebody an email and be like, hey, I want to get to know you? Um,
2: I mean, my strategy has always been getting down the pub, um, (laughs) which has been a bit difficult in the last year. But I must admit, the amount I've got to know people just from kind of having casual drinks or, you know, just, you know, popping down to a leaving do or something. Mm. Um, I've always found stuff like that just quite a good way to get to know people. Um, I personally find it a bit awkward to reach out to people and randomly be like, hey, you know, I've seen you present this. I'd love to talk to you because I've done it a couple of times. But then I always feel like I put myself under so much pressure (laughs) to make this conversation, you know, worth their time. Um, so I'm better in a kind of more casual situation, but I think I've been quite lucky with kind of the cultures I've been in as well, in that they're generally quite friendly, open cultures. Hmm. Um, so one of the things I remember really clearly for my first week at Lego, I think it was the second day actually, I was queuing for a coffee, and someone just said to me, "Hey, how are you?" And I turned around, and I thought, "Oh my god, like have I met this person? Have I forgotten them already?" And then kind of like the, the Londoner in me is just mm. like, who is this person talking to me? So like You know, like when you're on the tube and someone says hello, and you're like, no, I can't talk to you. Um, but it's just that culture where people just talk to each other and say hello. Um, and so I don't know, I'm just trying to think of like a, a practical tip. I mean, it's things like, you know, I've always found working somewhere with hot desking, for example, I will always say hello to the people around me because quite often you don't get to sit with your own team or, you know, you might be in a bit of a, a different space. Um, and it's just quite nice to kind of just see who people are. I mean, I I try not to be that bugging person who sits down and goes, hi, I'm Matt, tell me about your career, because like, <laughs> pe- people are working. Um, but just like, just generally being friendly, I don't know whether that's a good bit of advice or not, but it's just, that's something I've always done, because then, you know people will more likely want to talk to the friendly person than the cold person.
1: 100%. I think you actually gave us a wonderful golden nugget because oftentimes when you try to Google this kind of stuff, you know, how do you network or even you browse through Instagram and find try to find hot tips, it's all full of platitudes. You know, it's like, be open, do this, mm-hmm. do that. But what you just said is you need to find your style. What, is, you know, what makes you comfortable when you want to reach out to another person? As a career starter, so when I was fresh in a company, um, I had very little reservations to reach out to the people also higher in the pecking order, so the director level and above, to say, look, I'm super fresh. You've been here for a long time. Just show me the ropes. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? How does this whole department function? And that's how you put yourself on the map as somebody who's curious, who's inquisitive. So the takeaway for me here really is find out what what works for you but do find out what works for you don't just sit there and thinking oh no it's making me uncomfortable try a couple of things like you have as well
2: yeah Yeah. be be
0: authentic Um, as well sorry go on
1: no i I think
2: authentic definitely is the word i would use but also like it's really funny that i've worked with a lot of people in the past who are quite fearful talking to certain people because of their like position in the Mm -hmm. company um and it's something that i've i i totally understand where it comes from and again i've, I've been quite lucky with the cultures i've worked with but i just kind of remember a couple of occasions where people just wouldn't go and talk to somebody because they were particularly senior and i just thought but hang on this this is just another person mm-hmm. they, they you know they're coming here they're doing the job they're going home to their family or, or whatever and so why not and i i remember like when i was at the government i couldn't figure out this was probably before everybody used the internet i'm, I'm that old um but i was i wanted to write down the word's bear in mind and i couldn't figure out if it was b e a r or b a r e and i thought Do you know who'll we'll know and it was our guy who was like our effectively like a, a vice president i suppose and he sat in the office next to us and i was just like i'm going to ask him and i, <laughs> and, I rem- yeah, and i remember a colleague saying you can't ask nick that you can't go and waste <laughs> his time asking him that and i like i'd always chatted to him really casually so i just knocked on his door i said i'm really sorry can you help me out which one is it and he didn't know and he got up and he walked over to his bookshelf and he got a dictionary out and he was like there you go it's b-e-a-r we've both learned something new today <laughs> and it's but it was all done like in a really light-hearted tone but then I remember my colleagues being like, I can't believe you're nick <laughs> with that it's like why not like you know he didn't know either and then we both found out together so um I've tried to kind of Talk to people in that way. Not, I, not that I'm like disrespectful and like going up to C- CEOs and being like, yeah, you're right, mate. Like, it's um, I think it's just uh, I'm just trying to see people like colleagues for the humans they are, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I love that. We we welcome to the club because we're the same. Tom and mm-hmm. myself, we're not afraid to, to ask questions and put ourselves out there because then, you know, that's helping your career, too. And as you said, it can be something very simple that is human. You know, just asking a question like you did is very, very cool. So you kind of mentioned it there—the corporate world and the the atmosphere and the the culture is really important. So we're going to bring it back to the corporate and particularly Lego as well. Um, let's get a bit more orientated on what you do. So you work for the Lego Group, but within that, you actually work for Lego Agency. What is I do. that?
2: Yes. So um, we are an in-house agency as part of our uh, product and marketing development division. Uh, So within that division, we make the product that you that you all love and know. Um, But we also do all of the marketing. We do all of the digital channels for kids that we've got. But, um, yeah, we've got this, the in-house agency, which I think is about 450 people. So it's quite a big in-house agency. Mm. But um, we've got hubs in um, Shanghai, Singapore, Enfield in the US, London. And then our main hub is in Billund in Denmark. Very cool.
0: I have to jump in here because it was April Mm. Fool's Day the other day. Tell me what you did with your company because... (laughs) everyone loads of people fell for it but also people saw it kind of after a few minutes but tell us what you did because that was genius
2: so uh, we did um, a fake ad that saying that we were going to introduce something called smart bricks uh, <laughs> and basically these are intelligent bricks that if they're scattered on the floor and you go to accidentally step on them they get out of the way <laughs> now that um, is
0: creativity <laughs> <laughs> right there
2: innovation i mean april i've loved i've done april Fools at that company for a few years now and it's really good fun because you've always got to try and strike a balance of what is a bit silly but also kind of what would people kind of go actually do you know what I'm, i might actually want that mm-hmm. um so it's really good fun They're, i think brainstorming for april Fools have always been some of my favorites actually
1: that's fantastic which is the wonderful piece about working for a company like the lego group as well right because you also have an audience that is also excited about um about april fools but um bringing it back to you know i want to like bust this myth a little bit more because if anybody out there in the audience has ever thought about you know i want to have a job in design or in marketing so by default i have to go to one of these advertising agencies don draper style never sleeping harsh competition excel spreadsheets for the first six years of your career and so on i love hearing that there's actually a lot of in-house design work going on at the moment you're so much closer to the culture you're so much closer to the actual product as well so it's easier to translate things into design expression but um, we explore your space a little bit more but further down the line of the episode but somebody that works in such a Goliath organization, can you enlighten us and the audience that might be but you know, what corporate might be a bit foreign to them as to what else is in Lego aside from making toys and marketing them? What other departments are out there? What does it take to keep the machine running?
2: I mean, we've got so many different departments. I still don't have my head <clears throat> quite around it all yet. And I've been there for four years this month. You can um, do it, I believe in you. I mean, you want to reel all of them off one by one, alphabetical order, all the people <laughs> as well, mm. and all the people. Oh my god! Okay. Well, there's there's Dave. There's, there's, Shout there's out Peter. to Dave. Hi, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many different departments at Lego, and that's why I really enjoy working for companies of that size. And I really enjoyed it at the BBC because, um, because I'm still kind of finding my way a bit. There's just so many different opportunities. So, you know, within the Lego group, we've got. Uh, so we have Lego Education, uh, which uh, is kind of helping. Um... Well, I'm doing a really bad job of selling Lego Education. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like a, the, basically the education side to using our bricks and kind of helping kind of educate uh, kids into things like STEM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got Lego Foundation, where a portion of kind of all of our profits going to help uh, kind of kids in need of play around the world uh we've got a gaming division a pack you know packaging design teams distribution we've got um i think it's three or four big build shops uh so these are places where basically all those kind of giant lego builds that you see in places like Legoland or in mm-hmm. the stores there's like a place that does those um there's product designs there's kids app development there's hr there's everything really it's just um there's so many different areas uh and i think what's really great about the culture that we've got as well is um there isn't always the expectation that you have necessarily all of the functional expertise for that area yeah. but as long as you've got the core skills that you need to deliver you can build up functional expertise in the role so technically at my level i should be able to transfer to another kind of senior manager level or another associate creative director level somewhere else regardless of whether I know how to design packaging, for example. Um, So I can learn that on the job, but it's the other skills that are transferable.
0: And you say it's, you know, you've got multiple locations as well. Is there specific places where, like London is creative or Denmark is a certain type of job? Or or is it everywhere? Can you do anything everywhere?
2: I mean, creative jobs are everywhere. It's, It's such a creative product that that is just everywhere, really. Um, mainly in, uh, Denmark is basically where our kind of main hub is because that's where the product comes from and that's where it was born in the little town of Billund. Yes. Um, so there's still the majority of the company are there. Um, but no, there's, there's, um, agency hubs, as I say in London, US, Singapore, Shanghai. Um, there's generally marketing teams with those as well. Um, There will be some local kind of digital teams as well, because there might be local websites or um, like local social content that's needed. Um, And then factories in various places around the world as well, because, um, you know, we're we're still a manufacturing company.
1: I feel like you've done a really marvellous job at listing all of this out. It's just the reason why we want you to talk about this is oftentimes we see an organisation simply for the product that it actually puts out, a.k.a lego brick and it's sort of it diminishes our horizon on how many careers are actually possible within any organization so do you want to work on social welfare or sustainability you probably can do that at the lego group you wanted to work in um, production supply chain operations and uh, raw material purchasing you can do that as lego design human resources legal you know so for anybody out there thinking about a job in corporate really expand your mind there's so many different career paths um, and skill requirements and opportunities for you in these big companies with all these moves um, between different departments being possible for you to learn more and more so that's the wonderful piece about them but you're creative creative director so let's hop into the creative industry a little bit more shall we for anybody out there who's been thinking about going into that field
0: Yes, Matt, so you're Associate Creative Director, very mm-hmm. fancy title <laughs> you have there. What kind of job is it and what exactly do you do? We'd love to hear more.
2: Um, So I sit on the leadership team of our EMEA hub that's within the in-house agency um, and I basically lead digital creative projects. So things like um, if that's social only campaign. So it's funny that you just mentioned sustainability. That's one of the kind of areas that I was working on last year so leading creative teams through um sustainability communications for mm. the company um it might be projects like um my team did a lot of preschool always on content for example last year so you know we look at audience and business needs which are uh, you know parents want to be reassured that play bricks for example are safe for their kids so we will do always on social content that kind of proves that uh, we did an amazing Piece last year, which was called Extreme Tests, and we had basically like strong men, strong women trying to pull bricks apart. We had a drag queen trying to stamp on it, it was, <laughs> it was fabulous. I just i loved it. Um, but then we get to do stuff like, um, you know, we work with some of our IP partners as well. So, um, my team uh, created a lot of content last year around The Mandalorian and the kind of products that we have that go with that. Um, and then, yeah, just lots of exciting digital
1: projects. So there's lots of exciting stuff coming this year as well. That's amazing. I'm totally going to catch you out on using jargon, <laughs> by the way, because in one of our previous conversations, you said that you are not very jargon-a-fiend. So oh, no. always, on, mm-hmm. <laughs> always on content. What is that? Oh, no. Yeah, I've, done, I've done it, haven't I? No. You did? Mm. Um
2: <laughs> Uh so always on uh so that's kind of engagement content for social and for our communities. So basically um it's not just ads that go, look at this product, buy this product. Um so for example, um a really good example of kind of always on as as a, as I put it uh that we did last year was when uh COVID happened, Everybody started going into lockdown, there's lots of parents at home with their kids and they don't know how to keep, you know, little Jimmy quiet in the corner. So we would do lots of content around, have you doing these build activities or here's like 10 build activities that only need five bricks and things like that. So it's stuff that kind of enriches the audience's experience with the brand. It's not about selling them
1: stuff. Textbook. Well done. Bravo. No sweat. Thank you. (laughs) You're most welcome. Right. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into this field of Lego agency and the creatives mm-hmm. that you work with on a daily basis, because you've explained what your job title means and what you do. But so in your Nexus, in your environment, what are the kind of creative jobs um, make the whole design group function at Lego? So what else is out there? Maybe color spec, maybe, you know, design and 3D art. What's out there?
2: I mean, this is very good. Com- a very good question where I will confess that I don't know loads about this area, oh. uh, which is probably surprising for somebody who's called an associate creative director. <laughs> um, but I've never worked in like design teams necessarily. I've always worked in content teams. Oh, interesting. Um, and I've never worked in an external agency. Um, I've only ever worked in-house. So actually, I'm still kind of learning all of this stuff, which is really fascinating because I'd say about two years ago before I... Um, before I joined the agency I'd never worked with I'd never really worked with like art directors or copywriters necessarily it was just when you kind of work in social content you're kind of everything you do the project management you do the copywriting you make the content um so actually it's been really exciting to get to work with such a breadth of creatives and I I do work with just some of the most incredible creative minds that we have um uh, we have creative specialists who are basically kind of conceptual creatives um, who spend a lot of time kind of just thinking up these brilliant ideas and just really thinking about the brief really differently. Um, but then I work with art directors, copywriters, some really amazing designers, um, motion graphics designers. That's been really cool to work with because, I don't know, just give me a beautiful animation or a beautiful design and I, it's like that's that's the bit of the job that I love the most is just seeing what these creatives can come up with. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a lot of experience in the design world in that kind of way. Um, I suppose what I bring to it is the leadership. And I think that's yeah. where, that's what I really, really love because I can help kind of lead a creative team through creative problem solving, mm. but I don't necessarily know all the things that they know. So they're mm-hmm. constantly teaching me um, and we're just always working together to solve the same problems um so it's a bit of a cop-out answer for (laughs) not being able to like talk about all the specific things within design um but it's just it's just another way where I feel really lucky in my role in that you know I, I wasn't a designer I wasn't a video editor I haven't been an art director but I still have relevant experience that I can bring to the table as well
1: I don't think it's a cop-out answer at all. It's an unconventional Mm -hmm. answer that has shed a lot of light again on a lot of sort of these mythical positions that you can only assume if you are this expert at this thing that's your only license to operate in the space. But clearly it isn't. There's always room for people that have the right attitude, that have the right soft skills. Again, another buzzword. (laughs) We're going to talk about that in just a second. But Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to throw you another round of jargon um demystification because you said they think oh, differently okay. about the brief and for anybody that wants to work <laughs> in you know in corporate in branding in marketing advertising agencies understanding the brief is something that you need to come equipped with so matt what is it <laughs> do
2: you know what, i just you repeating this all back to me i'm kind of like who have i become <laughs> <laughs> i don't recognize myself two years ago i never used the word brief um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I say I talk in plain English, but I'm obviously absorbing all of this jargon. Mm, But um, mm. the brief, I mean, the way I view the brief, the brief is you kind of, it's the contract between us and our partner as to what it is we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve. And what I really love within the in-house agency we're in is because we're in-house and we all love the product and the brand as much as we do, it is partnerships. So we don't have clients uh, like the way a traditional agency might. So actually, what I quite like about this is when we get a brief, which is basically a, you know, this is what we want to do, who we want to talk to. This is kind of where what you're going to do is essentially what a lot of our briefs are. Um, What I really love about it is we've got quite we normally have quite a bit of flexibility, but we work really closely with the the our partners who are briefing us. So that could be a, a marketing department. It could be a brand team. Uh, it could be corporate comms it could be the CSR team Um, but it's essentially kind of like just a bit of a you know it's good to have these things in writing uh, that you know this is what we want to do and kind of where we want to go and then we provide our creative response to it which is okay if you wanted to solve that problem this is how we think we could do it.
1: I think that's rad I mean So we have another person here that works in a bit of an in-house agency as well. So I'm just going to ride this horse to the death. Nikki, what is a brief to you?
0: Oh, that's Tom. (laughs) No, we actually, as you're speaking, is exactly the way we are as well. We're in-house and we want to partner with the other functions and we're trying to... you know, work with them as closely as possible. As you said, Matt, you get in the the brief, or sometimes you have to do a reverse brief if it's not full enough. We have to send it mm. back and fill it up a bit more. I know oh, reverse yes. brief is the key word that we <laughs> use. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing. I love that. It's a partnership. It's not like it's different to an agency because you're in house, you know them, you're in the same company. It just changes it a little bit, and I really like that as well. And I like how you you've explained it. It's really really great. Um we're nearly at the end of the episode Tom but I want to know a bit more how to get in and it's brilliant that you've said you're learning as you're going you know you keep adapting you keep adding to your toolbox what kind of soft skills do you need or what if someone's listening in and they want to get the same type of job you have or they they're looking at lego or they're looking at corporate what sort of soft skills do they need to bring with them
2: this is a very good question <clears throat> so this isn't my three killer skills that I'm supposed to keep until the end oh, No, Oh no. right okay <laughs> so uh, now I have to come up with more oh, my yeah God. um I think I think curiosity is something that I just love in people and I think it's such a good soft skill to have I think you know always being curious about the world around you is really exciting and especially in a digital space where everything changes every day um kind of i remember when i was community managing for things like doctor who at the bbc you'd, you'd Wait, come in and yeah. i'm just gonna drop that in yeah um you <laughs> would uh you would come in every day and then suddenly facebook's changed this and instagram's changed that and you know if you don't if you don't ride with it you get left behind really mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. so i think staying curious and just you know it, it's just such a valuable skill to have um I think i need to find more time to do it personally but it's just you know it's just a really good thing to have i do but not then.
0: miss that part of my job my oh. former job was all digital social and mm. uh, yeah like you said every minute it would change like you come <laughs> in the next day and be like oh my god what have they done now and then you'd have to read readapt your whole plan just mm. because facebook decided to change something and not in all countries as well so you're you're posting globally mm-hmm. and then sometimes people like, oh only works in mm-hmm. Argentina. And you're like, Great. Great. <laughs> How do we adapt all of our content?
1: I'm also really pleased with the kind of language that we're introducing into this conversation mm. because oftentimes because Nikki introduced this as soft skills mm. and oftentimes people just think, okay, this is just sort of your mindset or your attitude. But things like curiosity are a really strong asset in the workplace, something to be hone something to be utilized because it means that you need to stay up to speed you need to keep learning you need to keep wanting to explore your field other people's fields and just you know become better and buzzword be on the path of continuous improvement mm-hmm. so as a follow-up to nikki's question because i really want to stay on this topic we keep trying to figure out what kind of hard skills are required for a specific industry but if we talk about something so broad as the creative space it really is so specific to the actual job that you want to be doing. So let's stay at this slightly higher level and talk more about skills that really enable you to become a leader and to operate as somebody that brings people together and learns how to manage all these different hyper-specialized um, disciplines, Matt. So we talked about curiosity. What else you got?
2: Um, I mean, I suppose as a build on curiosity, I think being able to bring the outside world in is something that I really value as soft skills because i think quite often you can get trapped in the doing things the way you've always done them which i think is the worst excuse in the world for doing anything yeah um but also just say you know sometimes you get into a bit of a templated way of doing things and i think you should always be bringing other inspiration in um and you know pushing things a little bit more i think a desire to be collaborative i think being collaborative is is so essential Um, because, you know, I I can't really think of many cases, particularly kind of in the area I'm in or the size of the business I'm in, where it's only ever one person who's going to achieve something like generally it's achieved through teamwork and working together. So I think, you know, you kind of really need to have a desire to want to do that. Um, which I definitely have. I think collaborating with people is something I just absolutely love doing
0: wow that is great more and more and more skills soft skills like that i think we're both the same as well collaboration is the key for many of our things especially being an athlete before and tom now we're we're collaborating together we know we don't stop collaborating do we thank Mm -hmm. you so much matt it was just amazing um Like I got so many things I need to just work on and learn as well and continue to learn.
1: And realize that a lot of things that we just take for granted actually Mm -hmm. are skills, right? That we need to that you can also pick up and learn wherever you are. You don't have to wait for your career to really get going. You can do this at your local community center while you're volunteering. You can Mm -hmm. do this on vacation or working in a soup kitchen. Which is what I loved about this episode. So, Matt, are you ready for one last challenge? Because as we teased in the beginning, because we are very pro and we try to keep our listeners on until the end, um, what are the top three things that you notice people aren't really doing um at the moment, but should start doing immediately after they get off this episode if they want to pursue a career path that somewhat resembles your own?
2: Uh. So you'll be pleased to know I prepped for this part and I wrote down three that I thought, right, these are the, these are the core three that I would want to give Love to us. lovely listeners. Hit us. Um, so I said, always try new things because you just never know what is going to stick and where it may lead to. Um, I think I was so lucky in that when I started at the BBC, I was working in the policy and strategy department um of public service bbc and i ended up leaving being kind of heading up a social team for some of the biggest global brands that they've got um you know you can draw the line between those two but it wiggled a bit all over the place but that's because i just kind of tried other things and just thought well let's see how this goes so definitely don't be afraid to try new things um i've also put this is something that i'm kind of um learning a lot about myself at the moment actually i've um i've also got don't judge your progress against other people's so i've actually spent i've actually spent a lot of time in my career looking at others going oh but they've got a university degree and i don't or you know they're two years younger than me but they're that you know that level above um and by the time i stopped doing that i actually just thought well do you know what whatever i'm on my journey i'm quite enjoying it um, and actually just doing that and kind of seeing where my career goes has kind of taken the pressure off in a way. So, um, yeah, I would say don't judge your progress against other people's. Um, <clears throat> and then the third one is uh, don't be an arsehole. Lovers, <laughs> um, <laughs> brilliant. So, <clears throat> a former boss of mine, that his advice to me was that I need to be more of an arsehole and I just thought I'm not sure how I feel about this advice because, like, who wants to work with the arsehole It doesn't make you desirable to work with. You know, you just never know when you're going to bump into somebody you previously worked with along your career, and this happens to me a lot. We seem to have a lot of people from the BBC at the Lego group and you just you know you bump into people where you make all these connections and Mm -hmm. I just think why why would you ever want to be known as the arsehole you want to be known as the collaborative you know fun person who people want to work with and that will hopefully open up other opportunities Mm. as well.
0: Well I'm very glad you weren't an arsehole to me when we met Matt.
2: I mean I don't know if I was I was so drunk by the end of it I I don't know I just remember drinking lots of gin and it was just you and me left (laughs) yeah
0: we did have a fabulous time and look here we are again after a few years keeping that connection going and thank you so much for joining us and giving us all these many wisdoms and your journey and it's very special as well the journey you've had and we're very grateful that you came on the show
2: thank you very welcome i hope we get to have another gin and tonic in real life at some point me too can i
1: join this time yeah. as well of course thank you oh <laughs> well, go in <on> then <laughs> fantastic <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show matt and um any of you out there if you've made it up until this point obviously if you're in the same city you're more than welcome to join us for a drink one we can actually go once we can go out again so coming up next week is another one of our infamous special episodes. But before you log out, before you go about your day, if your podcast player has a comment section or if you follow us at Go Higher Podcast on Instagram, we'd love to hear from you what you thought about this episode. What are some of the takeaways that you've taken um, from all of the things that Matt has shared with you? Um, please reach out to us. We'd love to know what you're thinking. So gentlewomen, gentlemen, and anybody in between, as always. Let's Let's go go get get it!